Lord, that you would now bring this word to life, that this word, Lord, would not return void, Lord, as it is just going into people's hearts. I pray for that in Jesus' name. I pray for uh, you to uh, just build us up, that you would strengthen us, Lord, uh, through this, Lord. Uh, you have called us, you have commanded us to love you, Lord, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and strength. What does that mean? What could that mean, Lord? I pray that you would do that, Lord. Bring it to life now, please, Lord, for your glory and for your name's sake. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Right now, so the leadership of our church, the elders uh, had a retreat—not last summer, but the summer before that—in which we read a book by the name of Soul Keeping, Soul Keeping, uh, by John Ortberg. I want to start this morning by reading the prologue to the book of this uh, this book. It's called Soul Keeping. It begins with a story, and the story says this. There was once a town high in the Alps. The Alps is a mountain chain in Europe that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam in it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far above anyone's sight, there was an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches, and worse, muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm wastes turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away. The water no longer had a crisp scent. 
that tr- drew children to play in it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on that stream and the life of the stream had depended on that keeper. The city council reconvened, money was found, the old man was rehired, and yet another time later, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper of your soul. You are the keeper of your soul. You are the soul keeper. Our soul, the book continues, and this is a quote by Dallas Willard, is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. I'm going to repeat that. Our soul, your soul, is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of your life. When that stream is as it should be, you are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all you do because your soul itself is profoundly rooted in the vastness of God and his kingdom. You're the keeper of your soul. You are the caretaker of your soul. You keep your soul when you tend to your soul. You take care of your soul. In this book, John Ortberg writes, if you do not keep your soul, your soul will disintegrate. It will begin to fall apart. The soul of man was originally created by God perfectly integrated, meaning an easier word is perfectly put together. The soul of man was put together perfectly by God. Man fell, Genesis chapter 3. He had a better idea than being submitted to God. He fell. He fell into sin. And God, by His grace, gave him a way or gave his people a way to keep their souls again. But if you don't keep your soul, John Ortberg writes, and the Bible teaches, your soul will disintegrate. When you keep your soul, your soul will, um, if you, rather, if you don't keep your soul, it will gradually fall apart. It, uh, so how do you keep your soul? How do you take care of your soul? How do you tend to your soul? Well, you keep it 
by making sure your soul is in the condition that God made it to be. You keep your soul by making sure your soul is doing what it was made to do. And supremely, Calvary Chapel, more than anything else, your soul was made to love God. Your soul was made to love Him. John Ortberg points this out. More importantly, the Bible says this. It says again in verse 28, one of the scribes came to Jesus, asked him, which is the first commandment? And Jesus said, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, um, uh, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. To love God. That's the first law. There's 613 laws in the Jewish Old Testament. And this is the one that he says is the first one, which is, which is actually different than saying it's the most important one. It's the first one. It's the one by which all the other laws uh, gravitate for or are based on. Loving God, loving God with all your, um, with 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 all your, uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your go- your body is governed by laws. Your life is is governed by laws, but it, it's it's governed by laws. Your body, for example, you know we have a lot of people with a science uh, background uh, in this church. I uh, have. I have very little science background, and I don't like science. I'm amazed by people who do, and I'm surrounded by people who do. But, uh, but what are the laws uh, 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 that you learn in your science class, that, uh, or, or perhaps some of you people learned it in medical school, um, is, is Boyle's Law. According to Boyle's Law, when you inhale, when you breathe in, your lungs expand which increases the volume of your lungs. As a result, air pressure in your lung decreases and outside air can rush in. Anyone ever heard of Boyle's Law? Okay, wow. That's way more than than me or I had ever known. When you exhale or you breathe out, um, your lungs contract. They grow smaller, decreasing volume inside your lungs. Um, uh, so the air pressure decreases and air rushes out of your uh, lungs. That's Boyle's Law. Your body's run, it's governed by loss. Another one um, it, it, that God put in place is, is it, that govern your involuntary muscles, such as your heart muscles and your lung muscles. Your hearts and lungs, they operate whether you want them to or not. They are involuntary muscles governed by laws put in place by God that relate to the automatic nervous system. Uh, they, they just function involuntarily. You don't choose. 
You, you, it's not up to you whether your, your, your heart or lungs operate. They just do. But the Bible teaches there's another law at work in your body, in your life, that in order for your life to be refreshed and exuberant, in order for you to experience joy continuously over time, you must love God. That's the point of what Jesus is saying. It's the first. It doesn't say most important. It's the first. In 1 Timothy, we'll, we'll read the verse later, all the other commandments, the purposes of, of them is for love. And in order to keep your soul, so it's, again, what is important is that you keep your soul, Calvary Chapel, you tend to your soul, that you keep it. To keep your soul, you must Keep yourself in the love of God. The Bible says in the book of Jude, I love this verse. Oh, man, do I love this verse. But you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude 20 and 21. Keep yourself in the... This is how you keep your soul. This is how you tend to your soul. The Bible teaches. So... Practically speaking, um, how do I keep myself in the love of, uh, love of God? How, how, how do I do that? How do I make sure or, uh, that I'm uh, doing what's necessary in order to love God with all my whole, uh, heart, soul, uh, strength in my mind? Well, number one, the first is, I'm going to mention two. The first is to keep away from sin. When you sin, you kill your love for God. When you sin. So the first is to keep away from sin. To cut off sin um, at its roots. To cut it off. Uh, notice here in verse 28, 29. Uh, let's read them again here. In verse 28 and 29, um, where Jesus, here in verse, in verse 29, he describes this law of love. Just prior to verse 29 and verse 28, he says this. Again, just prior to saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and the strength. What does he say? What does he say just prior to that? He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You guys read that? End of verse 29? Right before saying the first command... It, it, that's close to saying the first and only command. It's not quite, but the sense is there. The first command is, love the Lord your God with all your, um, your heart, soul, uh, mind, and strength. Right before he says that, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The living translation says, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Why does Jesus begin by saying that? Why does he introduce this commandment to love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does he introduce it by saying the Lord our God is one? Because at the time, the Jews were surrounded by religions in which there are, were many gods. They were surrounded by polytheistic people, people who believed in many gods. Not surprisingly... The people who believed in many gods also believed in many wives. 
Polygamy. And that was all around. But Calvary Chapel, listen, the man who has many wives cannot possibly love one of his many wives the way she should be loved. The, the way she should be loved is to have one wife so you are loving only her. So what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, the Lord our God is the only one and you shall love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You got to get rid of all your other wives, he's, he's saying. You, you need to get rid of the other gods, um, you, the sin, the idols. You need to get rid of sin. That's the point here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Dear friends, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. Look what it says. Which wage war against your soul. If you're keeping your soul, and supremely, if you're keeping your soul, what you want to do is to make sure your soul is in a place where it can love God. You got to abstain from sinful desires they, because they wage war on your soul, which was made to love God. So how do you keep um, your soul? You abstain from sin. Or as Jesus said earlier in the book of Mark, in the, uh, chapter 9, he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Calvary Chapel, you were made to love God. Sin gets in the way. It blocks your love for God. It causes your soul to disintegrate, to fall apart and, and, and lose its capacity to love God. You are the keeper of your soul. God gave you that. Your soul is a steward. You're a steward of your soul. You're a keeper of your soul. So uh, John Ortberg, in his um, book, he goes through a list of what happens to souls that uh, prevent them from loving God. And, and he first says, well, there's the hardened soul. And some of you today, you have a hardened soul. I'm glad you're here to hear the word of God. But you have a hardened soul, a soul that has become hard because it has been hurt or disappointed and it's formed a hard protective shell outside of it. So this would be the sin of unforgiveness. And you have a hardened soul because you're not forgiving. And as a result, you're not loving. You're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he brings up the shallow soul. Some of you in this room, your soul is shallow. Your soul is shallow. A soul that has become shallow because it feeds off of pleasure, control of others, or career or academic success. That is a shallow soul. It's not a soul that's loving God. It's, 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 it's filled itself, it's disintegrated, it's fallen apart, it's lost its capacity. There's no depth to the soul. 
A soul in which there is depth is a soul that loves God with all its heart, its, its soul, its strength, and its mind. He brings up another kind of soul, the cluttered soul. Some of you in here have a cluttered soul. What is a cluttered soul? A soul that has become cluttered because it is really, really busy doing nothing. You're busy just doing nothing. If you took an inventory of your week, a lot of what you do is nothing. And your soul has become filled, it's become cluttered with all this nothingness that you're doing. And it has lost its capacity to love God. And your soul has disintegrated. It's, it's, it's fallen apart. It's not loving. It doesn't even, there's that cold kind of feeling where, dry feeling where you, you, you can't love God. I was talking with a brother this week. And he was complaining sometimes um, at church. At church. He'll be speaking with a few hours or with Christians. Um, he'll be speaking um, for a few hours and, and they're speaking about nothing. And, and after he finishes speaking with them, uh, he doesn't want to pray. He doesn't want to love God. He, he, he doesn't want to serve God. Why? Because his soul has become cluttered. And this is what we do. But this is how good, good news, this is how we become, this is how we, we, we keep our soul. We keep our soul. We deal with that sin of un, unforgiveness. And we go to God. God, I can't forgive. This is just too hard. The, 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 the hurt against me has been too often and too deep. And, 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 and we seek the Lord. He, he, I tell you, he will answer your prayer. The heart, when you have a hardened soul or, or the shallow soul, when you come to realize, I've been doing all this, I've gotten promotion after promotion after promotion, and I feel so shallow. You are shallow because you've been filling yourself with um, just, uh, you've been filling yourself with, again, that academic success, that pursuit of, uh, of an intelligent, successful um, um, uh, personality or reputation or, or, or pleasure, and you become shy. The good news is you can keep your soul. You can keep it. You can tend to it. You can say, God, forgive me. I have spent all this time um, building up my success uh, to, at, at your expense, God. And, and guess what? You, you can love God. You can get to the point where you love him. And, and your love to, for him starts growing. Or, or, or the cluttered soul. It, I, th this one really is where the, the, the chop off thing you know, just chopping off, I noticed um, early on, particularly after I became um, a, a pastor, a senior pastor, I had to basically cut off everything that looked like nothing <laughs> because there was no time. I wouldn't be shepherd. I wouldn't be preparing the word of God. And, and, and just lopping off that, that foot, that plucking out the eye, that hand, that's essentially nothing. It's, you're busy doing nothing. I was busy doing nothing. And, and, but but we can, God's given us the privilege. We can tend to our soul. Your soul was made 
to love God. It, your soul was made to love him with all your heart, your, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And sin will make your soul disintegrate. Interestingly, in his book, John Ortberg points out, people say things like, I feel my life, like my life has fallen apart. They're talking about their soul disintegrating. I just, can't, I, I just can't seem to get myself together. It's a soul disintegrating. I seem to be going to pieces. Ever hear someone say that? Have you ever said that? I'm coming apart at the seams. That's all soul language. God made us with a soul. We're not just something that evolved from goo billions of years ago. We were made in the image of God, and he made us with a soul, a soul that was made to love God. So the soul was made to love God. Sin blocks that from happening. It makes the soul disintegrate. Get, cut the sin out of your life. Calvary Chapel, cut it out. You were made to love God. Sin is the enemy of loving God. Cut it out, abstain from it. So number one, you keep your soul by keeping away from sin, by getting it out of your life. But number two, you keep your soul by being with God. That's how you keep your soul, by being with him. The Bible says that God was with Abraham. The Bible says that God was with Jacob, with Joseph, with David, with Solomon. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. It says Noah walked with God. David says in Psalm 16, 8, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. You know that's possible? To set the Lord always before you? It is. You may not be consciously thinking about the Lord you're busy about doing your work, but he, it is something to, that you can do, and it starts by starting with him at the beginning of the day, setting him before you. Jesus said what in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30? Um, you know, this is, we quote this verse a lot for good reason, because your soul needs to be with God in order to love God. Your, soul, your soul's not gonna love God with, with all its, 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 its heart, soul, strength, and mind, unless you're with God, Jesus said. That's why he says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, meaning take my life upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul's for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. In order to tend to your soul, you have to repent of sin. And, and I'm talking repent every day. I'm not talking one time. Like you repent today. You're going to have to repent tomorrow. Why? Because you're a human being. You repent in the morning. By the evening, you're, you got to continue repent. You've you got to get sin out of your life. But the other thing is you need to be with God. 
if I'm speaking in a foreign language to you, you're like, whoa, what is this? The loving the Lord, I don't know what this is like. Loving the Lord with all your, your, your heart, um, your soul, your strength, and your mind. What is that? Um, well, I'm telling you, the solution, get rid of sin, but start being with God. Being with God. There's 613 laws. 613 laws. And you, and, and you know what a lot of these law followers were doing that were talking to Jesus? They would hide behind a law because loving God, uh, it was just too, it's too much work to love God. Actually, it's the best thing in the whole world. But, 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 but the devil does lie to us in that way. And I remember speaking with someone. Steffi and I were speaking with someone who was a very religious person. And within uh, a very religious person. But this person was leaving his wife for no biblical reason. He was just taken off because he didn't like her anymore. And within a couple minutes of talking to him, all, because I brought up the Lord, all he wanted to talk about was, are you going to church on Saturday? Are you doing that? You're not doing that? You don't go to church on Saturday? Don't you know the Bible says you're supposed to be on church on Saturday? There's, there's a sect of people who believe that. They are wrong. The Bible says in Colossians 2, don't let any man judge you by what Sabbath you choose. But this man, while he's getting in my face talking about this, is leaving his wife for no good reason. That's an example. We love to put up a law, follow that law, and then behind the law we can just do anything we want. Supremely not loving God. Not loving God. Because you can't love God and leave a spouse for a reason that is not in the Bible. Which is, that uh, there's been adultery or they're an unbeliever and they abandon you. That's the only two reasons given. You can't love God and leave your spouse. But, 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 but in that case, he just didn't like her. But this is what we do. We hide behind a law in order to... Um, in order so that we don't have to take the time to love God. And we're lied to because spending time with God is actually the best thing in the world. The turning point in my life, I had been reading Acts chapter 6, verse 4. My whole, <laughs> my whole ministry life, it says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The turning point of my life, and I, I've had many turning points where I move closer to God in a greater place of fruitfulness, but uh, no greater place of fruitfulness than uh, six or seven years ago. I, I looked at this and I just realized I have been trying to beat this verse. I've been trying to beat it, meaning I've been trying to take a shortcut because it says I'm supposed to be continually in prayer. But, you know... I know better than the Bible, and I would just convince myself over and over again that there were shortcuts. I could do it. I'm big time in the Word of God. I spend my life in the Word of God the last 33 years, and, and surely that makes up for it. No, 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 no. And I just went through another transformation when I finally started putting this in practice, in having an appointment with God in prayer, which is going to vary from person to person. There's no 
magic bullet about how much time you need to spend in prayer. But finally, when I just said, you know, I'm going to put a big old chunk for prayer. As many days as I can per week. And I actually did it. And I got to tell you, I love God so much more today. After just obeying that one thing. Be given over to prayer. So you tend your soul. You keep your soul. That's what you do. Uh, and... Um, I tell you, what's happened, I, 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 the great thing about these things, these, one thing is that you can put a, a clock on these things, but the other thing, you can actually carry them when you're out praying, and you can do your prayer journal while you're out walking, right? It's the coolest thing in the world, isn't it? And so I do, and I, I just want to show you part of, my, part of my prayer journal, which I wrote while out walking or whatever, praying with the Lord, at the very end of one of my, my sections, this is what I put, because this is what I realized after keeping my soul by being with God. When I pray, I fulfill your desire for my life. So I'm talking to God here. When I pray, I fulfill your desire for my life. Prayer is not a way for me to work my way into your favor. This is what I was created for. You were created to talk with God, to worship God, to be grateful to God. This is what I, I, I created. And so uh, it, this time is about blessing you. It's your desire that I be here with you. You like me. You like me, Lord. You like me being here talking with you. The word is pleasure. It is your pleasure for me to be here. Is what the Bible teaches. It's his pleasure for you to be with him. You want to tend your soul? You want to keep your soul? It's a good book, by the way, Soul Keeping. You want to keep your soul? You've got to be with God. You want to, to, to love the Lord your God and, and grow to the place that more and more it could be said of you, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? You've got to be with him. You got to start lopping time off, lopping uh, feet, lopping um, whatever. You know, I, I, let me conclude with this. If the worship team could come up now, I just want to say a couple things. Um, we we're gonna have we're gonna have communion now. But do you remember at the beginning of this chapter, chapter twelve? Um, we were in it a few weeks back in 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 chapter twelve. Uh, at the very beginning of it, Jesus tells a parable of a vineyard owner. And uh, it says a man planted it, a vineyard and set a hedge around it. He dug a place for the wine vat and he built a tower and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. That's verse 1 of chapter 12. And then what happens in this parable, um, God's the vineyard owner, right? And he keeps sending people. To tell the people, look, it's time to, to give the fruit of the vineyard back to God. And what did we say the fruit of the vineyard was? Do you remember? Worship. Worship. What's the one word we use the most? You guys remember? What are you doing when you worship God? Loving. Loving him. That's right. Remember we put up worship slash love slash obedience. But I focused on the word love. And he kept on sending servants, prophets to them. They kept on killing him, sending or beating, beating him up. And he's just 
wants to be loved. Calvary Chapel, he just wants you to love him. That's why you're created. He just wants you to love him. You know, we're going to have communion now. I, I, and it, what a wonderful time um, to, what a, what a wonderful passage to, to introduce communion with. I, I want to, um, Solomon, can I, have a, can I have a little communion? Is it up here? One of the, um, as I was preparing for this message, I was uh, some of you are familiar with Ray Comfort. He's an evangelist. I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I, I tremendously admire him. And uh, so he's famous for going out and talking to people on the streets and uh, and asking them. If, um, if they think they're a good person, almost everyone says yes. And then, but then he takes them through the Ten Commandments. And uh, he says, have you ever lied? Oh, yeah, I've lied. Well, that means you're a liar. Oh, oh, that's right. Have you ever stolen? Yeah. Well, that means you're a thief. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jesus says, if you look in the, your heart with, uh, with lust for another, you're, uh, uh, you commit adultery. Ever done that? Oh, yes, you're an adulterer. And by the end, by the end of the Ten Commandments, they're like, I need God. I need the cross. I need the blood of Jesus Christ. But I will say this, and this is just really audacious of me. This is just, I, I have some advice for Ray. He can actually go from Ten Commandments to Two Commandments. I don't want to replace his ministry. That guy has so much fruit. He's such a wonderful man of God. But how about verses uh, 30 and 31 of, Ma of Mark chapter 12? Just a ray. All you have to you go up to someone and say, who says they're good and say, well, okay, uh, have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? That's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Uh, no. The second is like it. Jesus said, you love your neighbor of yourself. If you, do you love all your No. Listen, we fall so short of the glory of God, of his standards, of his law. We are big time lawbreakers. You don't think you're a big time lawbreaker? You read that one commandment, which Jesus says is the first commandment. The, it, it's more than, more than just, it's the most important one. Everything else um, gravitates towards this one thing. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And guess what? We are a big time lawbreaker. Every single day we break that law, which Jesus says is the most important law. But God so loved you. He so loved the world. I was sharing at the ministry team yesterday. I was in Franklin Park praying. And just a beautiful soul, a woman, 65 years old, walks up to me. And she said, do you know that God loves you? And she was weeping. Just beautiful. God loves you. We had a great conversation, but he does. He loves you, and he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son whose body was broken for you, whose blood poured out for you. 
So I'd like you to take this, this cup here. Actually, on the top, if you, some of you may have this by now. It took me weeks and weeks. I think I may have it. The top part is the, the wafer, the bread. The juice is in the bottom part right here. God made us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. But, and the best way really to, to love him is to be with him and to constantly be putting the cross before us where we understand what he did for us. So if you can take this wafer, this bread, you can eat it with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that, that body that was broken for us. It says that, Lord, in Isaiah 53, it says, You loved us so much, Father, that it pleased you to bruise your son. Wow. Lord, that's a mystery. But it's such a powerful thing. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your body was broken. If you could now just take the cup, drink the cup. And Lord Jesus, what can we say? You can continue the. What can we say, Lord, other than it humbles us so much to know that you left the glory of heaven. And the person in this world who more than anyone else in the world loves you with all his or her heart, soul, mind, and strength is just a tiny little molecule of love compared to how much you love us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us in that way. Thank you for blessing us in that way. Blessing us, Lord, with that now because of your broken body, because of the blood that was poured out, we have the capacity to love you. We just thank you for that. I pray that you would complete that work in us, Lord. I pray that you would make Calvary Chapel in the city a church that keeps their soul, every man, woman, and child, that they grow in their understanding of how to keep their soul so their soul is loving you passionately, fervently, in a stretched out way. Or do that, Lord. Do that in our lives. Do that in my life, in the life of our children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If you could rise for the closing worship song. If you have a child in nursery or Sunday school, would you please uh, leave right now?